Hi, I'm Jonathan Mann. I'm one of the many Matts. This is Digitally Rare, a show about digitally owned things now and four years ago. We are here, uh, and I am over the moon that our guests. It's been it's it's been a long time coming to have our, mm-hmm. our guests here with us today. We have Judy and B from from Dada, from Dada. Now it's Dada. It used to be Dada NYC, but you changed it, right? It's a Dada Art now, right? Is that what yeah. it is? They they both work. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, at some point we changed it because we felt art. Why not? And right. then, yeah. but then, like when we issued the we issued the creeps and weirdos on Dada.nyc, yeah. so we're kind of like oh, yeah. nostalgically <laughs> going back to that for the time being, kind of thing. Yeah, in, in so my head, I, it will always be it be NYC. NYC. I yeah, know, yeah. I know. And the song, the song is as NYC. So the yeah. song is NYC, song, yeah. and that's what. Yeah, so. Very catchy song. <laughs> da 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 NYC. Da 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 NYC. Da da da. Someone, I saw someone just made a video out of it today. Someone sent me. Oh, really? Someone sent me like they made a music video out of really? that song. Yeah, That's yeah, really they cool. just like tweeted at me. Oh, it's we should random. look at it. Look. Yeah, please look see. at it. Uh, <laughs> I want to just give like a little bit of context because, you know, so you guys are are some of the very, 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 very first people that I met in the space. You know, um, I think a little while ago we looked it up. It was like, you know, it was like February or something or it January was, of 2018. February, February 14, January of 20, uh, February 14 of 2018. Yeah. Right. Of wow. 2018. Is the most, she remembers every day. She's like an yeah. almanac. Yeah. So what, what, what yeah. happened on February 14? Was it a meetup? It was Actually, it was a meetup. It was your guys' meetup. Yeah, is that what? It was the, me- that... the meetup that Pixura organized. The Jones from Super uh-huh. Rare. Uh-huh. The Jones from uh, after, Super Rare. Yeah, after the Rare Art Fest. They organized it, and I, I think actually it was the 12th of February. So exactly, exactly, <laughs> almost like one month, one month to the date After, of the first yes. Rare Art Fest. Yeah, so, because the so Rare Art Fest was January 13th. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I miss, I don't know how you remember these. That's that's insane. Yeah. Um, I missed Rare AF because I had food poisoning. I was so disappointed because I was like really? so excited to go. And then, so this was, so going to this with you, where you guys were, it was literally my first blockchain, my first, you know, was they weren't called NFTs then, my first NFT meetup, you know, jo- the Johns mm-hmm. from Super Rare were there, a lot of just, you know, a lot of people that are now, you know, movers and shakers were there. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. Andre, uh, Andre from, from Snarkart. I, I have this funny were. story about Andre because he used to come, I think it was the first time that we saw him there, he would sit in the back. <laughs> And listen to everything and not really talk. And then he would be in all the meetups, and I was like, "Who is that guy?" Is that guy? Yeah, and he then actually, he actually he did, did talk. talk. Yeah, he was yeah. like, yeah. like pushing the well. Why if the collector doesn't want to pay royalties? And we're yeah. like, we don't want that collector. <laughs> and then right, it turned right, right, out right. to be that he was he was uh, like building snark dot art. Mm-hmm. Uh, so and there were all always these people like you, John. And also Travis, Travis Southworth. He Travis was Southworth, always yeah. at every single, you know, every single event, event or meetup. Yep. 
So there was yep. always this kind of uh, little group of, of people it that... Felt- it, the, there's a real nostalgia for me about that, especially now as things have gotten so crazy. There's like a real nostalgia of like where we, in my mind anyway, and to a certain extent this is true, it's like we were just this really small cohort of people that were like so excited about this thing. And it felt, it, it you know, it was frustrating in the sense that like we had to, you know, if you want to talk to anyone about it, you had to start from zero but it was also mm-hmm. really like exciting to be around other people in this like tiny little group like with Matt to the the NFT summit that that Matt did in San Francisco it's like these these tiny little enclaves of people who who got it and understood it and you feel i don't know i i imagine it must be something like what like you know our ancient ancient ancestors felt you know when like a a tribe and like you're in the you're in your little tribe and you have your mm-hmm. little group you know? you know, I I used to say because we used to go to these two kinds of blockchain meetups. One was with people like you and Travis yeah. and Sam Holt and artists that were trying to figure it out, and that felt like the renaissance to me. It felt yeah. this is this is we are doing something that no one quite yeah. understands what yeah. it is, how to yeah. do it, or where it's or going. Anything. But we yeah. all had a feeling that it would go was going to be very, very uh, influential or important and humongous. And then we would use, we, because it was like we were trying to learn things, we would go to all the, these other blockchain meetups where they were pretty much like DeFi, <laughs> bros, and that to me felt like the Wild West. So I felt we were like in this mix between the Renaissance, which was the, the artists like art and the technology, yeah. the people who were trying to build platforms, the people who were trying to figure out stuff, and the gold you, rush, you know, and and, and the, gold and the, and the ICOs. West. And I remember even going yeah. to many of those meetups, which were so different, like with all these kind of weird people in New York City. And I would tell them uh, about the CryptoPunks, and most of them hadn't even heard about the CryptoPunks. Oh no! Oh no! You know, yeah, like they absolutely. were like the what? And I'm like, you are in DeFi, which wasn't even called DeFi. No, 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 no. that was not DeFi, you know, actually. That was only crypto. You know, they were, you and it was like, like I, yeah, ICOs. ICOs or yes, like yeah. token and when Lambo or whatever, when Lambo. And you don't know about the crypto. It was like that. It was like this amazing time. I also always say that to be the greatest revelation among many was that to experience what it is to be in a very early space, you know? Yeah. Because yes. I come from advertising, which is a rancid industry, which you know, <laughs> it's 300 years old, and they have never innovated anything, no matter how much they think they have, and and um, and it's old. But being in this, when it's yeah. early, when you can call people like Matt and John, and they answer the phone because yeah. they're also yeah. trying, they're also yeah. trying to figure stuff yeah. out. When, yeah. when you know, there's a you know a handful of people that you go and listen to because, or you go, oh my God, look at the rare peppers. I mean, that kind of stuff is a, a completely point. different energy. A completely well, different like, energy. How how many t- how many chances does one get in a lifetime to to genuinely be in a in a space that nascent? You know, that mm-hmm. early. Yeah, we were lucky in, in a lot of ways that 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 we were there and that we were we were curious enough to like, <laughs> to want to do it. The other thing I remember about that meetup is we had pizza. I remember the pizza very well. And then I remember, <laughs> yeah, I remember there being, oh, I remember there being like some kind of debate. Like, I don't remember what the debate was, but, 
but people were like shouting at each other about ERC twenty and ERC seven twenty one, and it was like there was like you know there was like but ERC seven twenty one was so much better, and like but ERC twenty this and that, and like I don't remember what the what what I don't know what the debate could have been, but I just remember because I didn't I didn't wholly understand at that point what those things were. I just remember people like yelling out these you know these. These, the numbers. these weird random yeah. word letters yeah. and numbers. <laughs> and like. I also remember that I think Andre was playing the contrarian, right? And he was saying, yes. you know, he he because I had seen him in other places always yeah. be very quiet, yeah. and then he he said, so, "What was what did he say?" It there, was about, about the, it was a, it was about royalties. He was asking how will that work? Uh, what if somebody didn't want to pay royalties? What if, uh, why 40% on the profit? And he was yeah, just asking that. questions and, and yeah. we were answering the best we could. Um, but I think at, at some point he was really pushing, pushing, pushing. And I was like, well, if it's up for you, it's up for you. But then, you know, they turned out to be uh, great colleagues and-, and um, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So okay, so to set so so enough enough uh, enough reminiscing for the right. for the audience. I, a lot of our audience, honestly, a lot of people who listen to this were there too. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Were 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 among among us. So that's hopefully that's nice. But for which them to one hear. was the imposter? Yeah, 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 among us. Which one? Sorry. Yeah, exactly. I remember the digitally rare logo, and I remember the theme music yeah. and everything. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, we showed. I had a video. I had like I had made like a video explaining, doing like a very basic explainer. And you guys let me show it at the at the meetup, and I was like so thrilled that I got to share something there that I you know that I'd made. It was like super exciting. Yeah. Um, but before but, we stop reminiscing, can we talk yeah. about the the time that you came and you you premiered the song for the CryptoPunks? That was at the oh, Euro yeah, yeah. HQ. Yes. Yes, I love that memory. And, yeah. and that was nuts. It was so fun. That was, that was March, yeah. March 15, 2018. What the heck? Like, how <laughs> can you? Seriously. March 15 Man, of, of 2018. <laughs> and, of I, 2018. and I wasn't even present. <laughs> no, you weren't Whoa. there. Uh, if I ever need to remember when something happened that I know that you were that I know you know about, I know. I always, I, know to come I always to you ask her because yeah, to me, yeah. yeah, she's like Judy's like, where, where did I get divorced? When did I graduate? <laughs> yeah. So, so to set the stage, it it was a very very small meetup. It was just a tiny little. It looked like a living room almost, and. Uh, a bunch of people spoke. Uh, Judy spoke, and I remember the guy from Mural spoke. Yeah, Vlad. Is mm-hmm. Mural still around? Are they? Are they? They were no. sold. They were sold to oh, yeah. uh, like Samsung some company. Or right? No, or like, to yeah. some other company like, like that. an internet yeah. internet thing. Yeah. Okay, and then and then uh, I remember Sharon spoke. Sharon gave us gave a talk, and then and then Matt and John spoke. And Tommy, or, Tom, Tommy, oh Tommy Nicholas. spoke. Tommy yeah. from Rare. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I miss those guys. I wish they would. Yeah. I, wish, I mean, they're around, yeah. but like, um, but then, but then Matt and John spoke. And then when I spoke, I started by, and there's a great video of this. I actually sold it as an NFT. There's a, um, I, I played the CryptoPunk song. It was the first time I'd ever played it live. And I got, I like had John and Matt like sit there. Yeah. The guys from Larva Lab. <laughs> like I had them like boys. sit there so I could like <laughs> serenade them with the song. Um, yeah. uh, but it was, you know, it was our living room, but it was packed. It was it, because yeah, it was those meetings were organized by by Manana Samuseva, Manana. and who was like I don't know where she got us, but 
but she always had like all these kinds she, of people. She seemed like a social butterfly kind of person, just like yeah, always yeah. bringing in people. But um, it was it, but also it was interesting. It was packed, but still, those days were very few people. Like in mm -hmm. that meetup that we met, maybe oh, thirty yeah. people, like yeah. forty people. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Forty but people crammed like, in like a small living room, basically. Yeah, but it was like really like like the quality of the, yeah. the audience was really great. Yeah. It was high. In Manana's yeah. uh, meetups, I used to love because it was going into a room with people that you go like I'm trying to figure out who you are, right? Yeah. So there were some kind of bohemian-looking people. Then there were old ladies that I didn't never understood. Then then there were like kind of finance Bitcoin. bros, Bit Bitcoiners and one Lambo yeah. kind of people. Yeah. And it was all fan. this weird mix. This weird mix of people. Yeah. Those, those were the days. Mm -hmm. um, so, but to set the stage, I mean, you know, from all the way back then, you guys were were working on Dada. I mean, you got Dada has been through so many. I remember you guys at Ethereal, and you announced a partnership with Consensus, and I like just so many um, permutations and and ways. Uh, most of our audience is familiar, but like, like take us through. Uh, maybe start with this because this is what I'm most interested in. Like. Matt and I both kind of ducked out for a while. We both like, d d like, sort of, j sort of like late, late, late 2019, and then especially once the pandemic hit, we were both like, not really paying attention. What were you guys doing during that? During like the deepest part of the crypto winter, like what were what was happening with Dada during that time? Yeah, I would say that it was the most interesting uh, part of our, our journey, actually. Mm. Because when we launched on 2017, and after Crypto Kitties and the whole Rare Fest, it was like this huge explosion, right? And we were riding on the top of that wave, and that was the ethereal and consensus invested on that and all of that. By the time the crypto winter hit, uh, we raised a million dollar uh, mm -hmm. late, like September, and it. In retrospective, it was clear that the people who had said yes and when we were already with lawyers and stuff knew what was coming um, uh... because it was a big investor and they pulled out. And then so we didn't have that and we didn't and we had all these like people wanting to throw money and then it was like nobody wanted to throw any money. <laughs> and we yeah, ran yeah. out of money in yeah. December when wow. Bitcoin crashed. Wow. And, you know, in retrospective, I think it was the best thing that could have happened to us. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Uh, so what happened during that year was that we didn't have a team. The team just lasted until December 2018. Um, and then in January, we, we were retiring the Crips and Weirdos. And we decided, well, we're in the middle of the crypto winter. Uh, let's cut half of the supply. We, we are launching a new contract. Uh, 721 standard, let's cut the supply, it's too much. Uh, we launched uh, this control, which was the first conversation we actually launched, one-on-one. -on -one. Right. And right. at that time, it was, I think, 1.2 ETH. And that was, you know, depending on the day, it was between yeah. 100 or $150. Right. And that was, like, perceived at, yeah. at extremely expensive. And right. so we retired the Grips and Weirdos. 
because it was like there was no market, right? And and we and we had no no market, no team. We tried to no raise money. no yeah. money, yeah. no <laughs> money. Yeah. And, yeah. But then what was interesting though is was our most experimental time actually happened in the first six months of the crypto winter. Uh-huh. We started to launch a series of experiments that were just us, Judy and I, and the community. We had no uh-huh. developers. We had only the, co- the community, the artists. And so we started doing live drawing performances, but tied in that to some some kind of experiment. So that's when we did uh, we did an art and music uh, uh, live drawing performance in March. And then uh, after that, we did the channel auction at the Radical Exchange Conference. We, we yep. were invited oh, to I remember that. I actually remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There was a really interesting experiment and I think very important uh, as an as a economic experiment. Um, and then we went into the uh, live drum performance at the, ther- the second ethereal summit. It was huge. Like it really involved a huge amount of people. And, yeah. uh, and then the Rare Fest, we but, uh, gave to the community... It? That, that the second Ethereal Summit uh, was really interesting because the first one, there was an auction and it was like, uh, uh, you know, uh, somebody got like a, a very special crypto kitty for a bunch of money and that. everybody yeah, was throwing yeah. money. $45,000. Uh, that, that I remember. I remember no, that. Was like, that. That one was 140. 140? 140? Yes. Oh my yeah. God. Yes. Maybe I mean, don't remember. Like Jesus. craziness. And yeah. then for the next Ethereal Summit, there was an auction and we created yeah. this amazing live drawing performance that was going to end just as the work was going to be auctioned. So we had uh-huh, uh-huh. people drawing the, the for portion. 20, yeah, uh, for 24 hours, we had, oh uh, uh, you know, we, people could see how yeah. people were drawing and that auction, because it was the middle of the crypto winter was the yeah. saddest, the most <laughs> depressing. No, I mean, there were very few people who bought anything. It yeah. was it was just the saddest saddest thing. So it's wow. kind of like we this, kind of learned sentiment. that this is a rodeo, you know, like that this yeah. is a roller coaster yeah. where right. where there is gonna be these highs that are insane, and then there yeah. there could be these lows that are just dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But let, move, me, let me say let me say because those were the first six months was a lot of experimentation, and then the last six months was actually. Uh, in June, we went to Manchester to the Known Origin uh, conference for mm-hmm. like this, like, and and that's when we started writing the the white paper for the visual economy. Mm-hmm. So the last six months of that year were the actual uh, uh, when the visual economy was born as a uh-huh. concept. So that's like and the last six months of like 2019. Mm-hmm. The 2019, so they yeah, were actually yeah. very, very important. And we also, yeah. uh, that's what Modka invited us to do the performance at Tate. Uh, that was in November. So there were like all these really highlights. And it was at the end of the year that uh, the NFTs started to, uh, the markets like super rare, started to like sell a lot, like started to yeah. have, a, you know, consistent Attraction were very low prices, sixty dollars, you know, a hundred dollars, two hundred dollars. But people were collecting. Yeah. Yes, Mm -hmm. that's when it started, and then it became exponential in 2020. But as I think, as you, we actually went into just like ignoring everything that was happening in the market in 2020. 
yeah. completely, 100%. Completely, and, yeah. And, and just focused on the visual economy. And it, it's been an amazing, you know, two years, actually. Um, so, now. so tell, so tell the audience like about invisible economy to give us, give us the, the, the rundown of like, uh, of, uh, I, I, I remember seeing the white paper and I remember, I remember, did you both write it or was it just UB? There was a really great thing about the, the kind of like, what the fuck are we doing? People kind of, there was a piece <laughs> that was like, <laughs> like, what are we doing? Like just chasing, we're we're recreating the art market again. Like what are yeah, we doing? Yeah, yeah. You know, I remember seeing that and being like, yes, yes, yeah, yes, yeah. yes. So, but but yeah, give us give us the rundown of uh, just to uh, answer your question. Yeah. Bea did an enormous amount of research. Uh, she yeah. read everything that was re readable, and I would say that the invisible economy is really like her her thought process and and yeah. you know all of that, but. I, I helped kind of uh, edit it, right? And well, basically, basically it was me alone just doing all this like stuff and coming up with some kind of a hypothesis. And I'm just grateful that Judy made it legible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a good team. That's a good yeah, team. Because, uh, today we say if we survive the writing of the invisible economy, we can survive. <laughs> because yeah, it because was not. An easy thing. It, it, it's interesting because it, it, it's, it's a, on one hand, Judy will like freak out about every single idea, right? Mm -hmm. Because why not speculation and why not mm -hmm. this and why the, why are you so anti market and what you know all this like freaking out. Mm -hmm. That's one was like, I, I, I would like to... to say that instead of freaking out, it was more like a dialectic. <laughs> I was questioning, questioning certain assumptions. You were freaking out. Sure. You were freaking out. Yeah. But 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 it was important though because yeah. it made me have to really elaborate arguments that will make sense to her. Yeah. Right. And yes. so that's one side. And the other side is that also actually, she's a writer and she's an amazing writer. So actually made it really easy to read, sure, which yeah. that wouldn't have been the case with me. <laughs> <laughs> so so that's the, the story there. In, in, it, it, it couldn't have happened without Judy, for sure. So yeah. the, the, the short the short part is that when we launched the Grips and Weirdos, the I mean, we were attracted to blockchain from the very beginning because of token yeah. economies and because of the possibility of creating a new system that was always the thing that attracted us and so the actual the fact that we were pioneers in the nft um uh path was just part of it but never the most important part of it to mm -hmm. sell nfts was never the, not the point no it was like how can we create a completely new structure that is truly decentralized, that is truly a, a community that is decentralized and so on. Um, so back then in 2017, we had no idea what, you know, they were doing all these ICOs. We were really at the moment in which maybe we, we, we had launched an ICO because we already had a community yeah. and a platform. Maybe we would have raised 20 million, 30 million dollars, right? Because right. we were so early. But we we were like, we have no idea what we're doing. Yeah. We're not going <laughs> to yeah. do this. So we, we were always very, very protective of our community. Yeah. And so when we launched the Crypts and Weirdos and we started writing this wave after Crypto Kitties, one thing became really clear, especially for me personally, on the Rare Fest. While everybody was super excited, and I do feel that I was like being, I don't know, like 
the Dadaist, you know, in, in yeah. the cafe. Like that was a, a that was a really amazing feeling. But yeah. for me, it was very clear where the actual ecosystem was heading. Yeah. Because the only thing that everyone paid attention to was the sale of the Rare Piper for thirty-eight yep. or thirty-nine thousand yep. dollars. That that was what got everybody excited. That was what got on all these like New York, New York Times and all these things. And all the innovation was actually ignored. Right. And so, so and all the potential was actually ignored. So for me, it was very clear that we 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 should not put anything on sale. Let's figure this token economy out and let's see if we can do something actually different. Because what we're going to see in the next few years is actually going to, it's actually what we're seeing today. That was very yep. clear for me from the beginning. Yeah. Yep. And so, so we, I thought, you know, not knowing anything about economics or still learning about blockchain, which is in development, <laughs> development and the NFTs were, you know, in, in, incipient. Um, it took a couple of years of a lot of research, a lot of trying to understand experimentation. And basically the invisible economy is the theory or the hypothesis that um, what we had as a community was this community in which everybody was conversing with each other with art, with drawings, everybody was uh, invested in the community, not because they went there to sell or to be the best. They were not leaderboards on, on data. It was because they actually wanted to, they felt belonging, they felt motivated intrinsically. And so we knew instinctively that if we actually would have played the market, uh, that would be destroyed. Yeah, We knew that. And, and everybody right. knew that. And the artists started reacting to like, you know, because we got waves of artists like, how how can I sell? How can I sell? How can yeah. I sell? Yeah. And our artists became like, well, we don't want to really get involved in this because it's going to change what we love about the, that. Yeah, the way the way I, I I see it, like very simply, you know, Dada is a platform where people come and make art with no expectation whatsoever of either producing or selling or shilling or 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 catering to anyone. Yeah. It's a completely right. free. It's like this free freeing canvas where you can draw by yourself or you can draw with others. Uh, and so if we were, the easiest thing would be to basically put a little like icon of a, of a shopping cart on top of yeah. or bidding, every, or bidding. Or bidding or, or, on every yeah. drawing. And you could, people could just start buying stuff, but that would number one, completely, I, that this was is what, what would happen. Why is this person selling more than me? What is selling more right now? Should I draw trees because trees are selling more? Uh, and it, that, so it would completely destroy the community. But I also think it would destroy the nature of the art itself because then mm -hmm. the art would not be made with that intention, which is truly why people make art with, at first, which is to make art. You know, mm -hmm. not to not not anything, but to express themselves, to play, to experiment, to to be part of something that is thrilling and and, and, mm -hmm. and meaningful to them. So that's why yeah. the invisible economy is basically separating the well, art let me from say, the Let market. me say that yeah, the, the, what what Judy said is like how we protect that, and so the invisible economy is the, is the hypothesis that is based on on. 50 years of research that has been ignored and it's a fact there's tons of evidence that at the moment that you replace intrinsic motivations by extrinsic rewards 
especially expected extrinsic rewards like selling for X, uh, the intrinsic motivations diminish or disappear. So mm. how do you protect a community that is based on the intrinsic motivations and social norms? And so our hypothesis was, well, in order to protect it, we have to separate completely radically the market from the art making. And so we make them all the transactions invisible. That was the theory of the paper. Since then, we launched, I mean, we presented the paper in a radical exchange in June 20, <laughs> June 2020. And, uh, and then from there, it's been a, a year and a half of living the invisible economy with a bunch of people that just came uh, attracted by the challenge, attracted by the possibility. And, and we have done this system without anybody getting any salary, without any extrinsic reward whatsoever. All people uh, just wanted to contribute because they want to, because it's stimulating, because they love it, like all of that. And so it's, it's been really interesting that a year and a half of a depth of work that would have been never possible under the structure of a company first of all, and then uh, the fact that we have created an, an, a thing that is huge without any money whatsoever. And so because you need money, you need to raise money to develop, to pay people to do things. But if, if people are actually doing things because they want to, you don't need to raise money. And then the decisions that you're making are not based on that fact. Mm -hmm. So at some point, you know, when the NFT craziness started to happen, we got people throwing money at us again, a million dollars, five million dollars. And we're like, we don't need investors. We don't need money. And and we're making our own money. We're making our own rules. We're making our own structure. So the invisible economy is not just making a bunch of money and distributing it as basic income, as people think. That's a very a, a, a really simplistic reduction. Basic income is like, doesn't mean anything really. Yeah. It doesn't mean anything really because what yeah. makes the difference is how we value things. What are the things that this system make vis makes visible? Like artists don't become geniuses, or it's like it's a it's a series of continuous contributions of a lot of people. So we make all of that visible, all those contributions. What do we all the intangible things that we can value that the market doesn't value? All those things change, and so we value them, we represent them visually so that it's clear what, it's, what everybody is contributing. And we also uh, distribute that value in a way that is according to uh, our, our values as, as a community. So it's a whole different system, and it's not... Anti-capitalist, I think it's more post-capitalist, actually. It's more what I think uh, it's more efficient for a highly technologically uh, community, a highly technological society, and, and to do that shift into what is it that we actually need when, it, when the society is based on information networks. So, so yeah. when, when we started out, I think that what... what really excited us about the blockchain at the very, very beginning was it really gave, uh, you know, gave leeway to, to create a different system 
to be, you know, everybody used to say democratizing art, you know, we, we were invited at, to, to Christie's in London and um, to the Art and Tech Summit. And I was saying, you know, the way I see it, it, it just opens the door much wider for many more artists, many more collectors, for many more art lovers. But it didn't, you know, but that, it's not that, true. no, no, but it's not no, true. but what I what I meant to say is that we saw it as an opportunity to really go in a different direction, and then at least I was rather disappointed when I saw everyone just doubling down on market uh, dynamics on steroids because uh, what steroids, what blockchain yeah. does is to get that what already was happening in the regular art market, which is market dynamics, just you know like. Uh, that kind of thing, but at least there they have certain institutional, you know, uh, bre breaks or s here no here because it's peer to peer that gets exacerbated to the nth degree, yeah. and that was to me. I mean, maybe I saw the writing on the wall. To me, it was disappointing. You know, I was like, we have the chance to to really break out of that system that is, you know, organically unfair. You know. Yeah. Where like and and instead we're just like kind of doubling down on it. So so and and what happens is that the, you know it is true that a lot a lot more artists have been able to benefit from being in the blockchain and you know you may be an example and a lot of people you Jonathan a lot of people may be an example, but that still doesn't mean that it's fair or that or that there's like a, like so many people. Who are still don't have access, or or that uh, is disruptive, uh, that or that it's disruptive in any way, that it's that it's exactly. changing anything. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So, so what? What? You, because we are also uh, benefited from being early, right? As a platform, I don't think it will, we will have any chance if we started today. And so, uh, it's not. It's it, because it's not challenging any of the structures. What you're really doing is replacing with a new elite of artists mm -hmm. and a new elite of platforms, mm -hmm. but it doesn't change anything. Yeah, it, it, it strikes me that um, a couple a couple different things, like one thing is, I, I love what you said about, about like, a, you know, f measuring like what you value in a different way. Like I often think about like if, if, uh, if the country, like instead of being obsessed with GDP, if like instead of GDP being the measure, like if we measured people's happiness as like the, you know, or people's satisfaction as like the 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 marker of progress as a country, you know, yeah. and and there's just like other ways. Anyway, Matt, you I know you've been wanting. No, to say yeah, something. GDP is famous in that regard because of how reductive <laughs> it is and right. how recent of a metric it is. I, mm -hmm. if, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was after World War II the U.S. and our economists like popularized it as the world ranking system. Because the U.S. was number one in that system, and we're like, we need to be number one, and so this is the metric that we're going to use. <laughs> and here we are now today. Imposing where... on everyone else, regardless exactly. of whether it's regardless relevant of, to yeah. them. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And they use so, GDP now to like to rank whether you're uh, the progress of your country or whether you get this loan from the international bank, and it's this sort of self-reinforcing. Um, you know, this number must go up at all costs, and we don't. Like, right, it's about measurement. We don't measure the cost, the ecological cost of making that number go up. It's simply not included in the measurement of GDP. And so people right. don't internalize that. And yeah, alternative well, ways of uh, measuring is absolutely the way to go. 
But uh, uh, Joval Noor Harari has uh, an interesting take on that, which he says, well, uh, there is GDP and there is happiness, right? You can measure both or a million other things. Anything, right? Yeah. It's, it doesn't have to be, you know, a dichotomy either. But uh, what he says is like, okay, Singaporeans are the most productive people in the world by GDP standards, and Costa Ricans apparently are the happiest people in the world by happiness standard. And so the question that he asked as a philosopher is, would you rather be uh, the most productive but not so satisfied, or would you rather be highly satisfied and happy and not so productive? And well, the, you know, the answer is right there. Well, I'd rather be happier. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but one, it's not a hard the, question. One of the things that I that I really love about the invisible economy, and, and I think mm-hmm. it's kind of so obvious that it tends to escape people, is, is precisely that we're measuring different things. We that, we yes. tend to measure yeah. art or... Well, we're, we're or not, art. Let, me, let, let me correct you there. We're not measuring. At the moment that you measure generosity or happiness then you're no, fucking it like, up however you want <laughs> to call it but whether it's well, accounting you're or like taking you're into valuing. Value, representing. valuing and yeah, representing represent. so mm-hmm. art yeah. you know i've been i've been thinking about this because we nfts only make noise when they're tied to a big sale right because that's the easiest thing to understand i mean in, in the mainstream in, like, in the mainstream in, yeah. yeah in the mainstream it's like Somebody sold something for seventy million dollars. That that it's I understand that it's easy to understand, and whereas blockchain is not easy to understand, and NFTs are not easy to understand. But what I what Dada is doing is actually valuing the other stuff that art brings to the table. That is not just only money. And yes. but however, we are well aware that there has always been and always will be a tension between art and money because. Our premise from the very beginning is that artists need to live and art needs to be a sustainable thing for people to do and not, you know, I always say like no one asks a dentist to have five gigs on top of what they, they do, right? Like art, art needs to be taken into account in the and how valuable it actually is. And money is not the only value that it brings. It brings exactly. culture and civilization and community and, and joy and expression. And it's like, in, that's why someone goes and pays $450 million for a shitty Leonardo da Vinci, you know? Because how do you measure the contribution of art? Well, money is only one way. And so, uh, to me, well, at least... I, I, will, I will argue that it's the wrong way. You can, but it's one of the many ways. It's one of the many ways. But you can't really, but but just to say, you can't really price art. All you can do is to price the artifact. So to me, it's Mm -hmm. like you can only you can only price sex. I can price an hour of sex, but you can never buy love. So you can never ever buy art. You can only buy the artifact, which is just an expression, one single expression of that artistic process Mm -hmm. yeah i was thinking about like like you know what what i when i was talking about like valuing it's like valuing like the way that it makes the way that something makes me feel or value the connection that i that that i experience to the artist through their work or or even or even like in data in the community 
valuing the the community itself, the interactions between the people, and that being, you know, the other thing it makes me think of is like, um, is like the way that our the way that like Facebook and YouTube and Google rely on ads, and ads are the ads are the way that you know every song I post on YouTube, its worth is measured in how many views it gets because those views are valuable to Google for selling mm -hmm. ads. Mm -hmm. Whereas if only 10 people see my song, but like every single one of them felt something from seeing it, that th that's not measured. It's more rewarding for you. It's not measured in any way and no one cares about that except for those 10 people. But like that's super valuable. Like, yeah. like just it's super meaningful. But to me, there, there, we, we are, there's always that, I mean, to me, the tension is, yes, but we, I really believe that that should also be valued with the other value, which is money. So, so that's where the tension, be, like, for artists is, is, is like... Well, the, the, but the problem, Judith, at the moment, again, if, if at the moment that you put money, the other stuff disappear then it's counterproductive. It's mm -hmm. not that you can balance those. You have to find ways of circumventing that. Exactly. And so, so for us, I, I think that it's how you pose your questions. So for us, it's really, the question always was, how can we create a system in which artists do what they do, do what they love, without any pressure to produce? And, that's and, a very and, and while still question. and while still be like they do what they do, they 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 are able to live. They are able to. They, it includes that, right? Sustain because to be themselves. able to do it, to you need to be able to, to live. Right, right, yeah, right, right. If but you're dead, you can't produce. You can't make something. No. Right. <laughs> but without the pressure to produce, yeah. without the pressure to sell to the market, without that, you can earn. I mean, you can live comfortably, or you can have the basic that you need to do what you love without having to cater to collectors or to the market or to like without any obligation, preconception, prescription from the outside. And so how do you do that? And that is what the invisible economy aims to do. So it's so interesting to th for, for me to think about um, these questions and this, the questions of intrinsic versus extrinsic uh, motivation. Because I've always felt like I've, I've, I, I'm a very intrinsically motivated person, right? Like, like I've, I, I, um, it, you know, I'd be writing songs, I'd be making songs no matter what else, whatever, whatever my life was going to do, I was always going to want to write songs. And that's like just, just what I've always wanted to do. It's, it comes from here. But there's also like if I look deep enough and motivation is a really interesting thing because <laughs> – it's so layered and multifaceted. And so I feel like I could peel myself like an onion, finding these like layers and layers of motivations of like, you know, one of the layers is like, there's a, is like a fear, you know, there's a fear. There's like an anxiousness mm -hmm. that like, that produces the motivation to make. Right. That's like yeah. a layer. And then, you know, you know, there's the layer that of like, like in our day and age to, to your point is like, I have to keep producing cause I have to make stuff so people will see it so that I can do stuff so that I can have an audience and, da, 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 and all that. And there's just like, there's just like layers upon layers of motivations. Um, and I've always found, I, I don't have a, any point to that other than like, I've always found that question of like motivation, very interesting. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah well, I mean, we, we've done peel a lot. Yep. Oh. Yeah. If you peel back mind. too far, you get to the hard questions. Right, um. right, exactly. <laughs> it's, a, it's a question. It, it's also like, you know, we've done a lot of work. And I think at this point, uh, a lot of our work actually is, is not even research that is out there. That is everything that's been empirical, looking at the community and, and really trying to figure out what is already exists in the community. So one thing that we were able to do, because people have a hard time thinking that extrinsic motivations and intrinsic motivations can ever be separated. Like the people say, well, you can never separate them, there is a balance, whatever, blah, blah, blah. It's not true. You can actually create an entire system that is only with intrinsic motivations. And, if, in, and a good exercise to do this is to think, if the world had a universal basic income, because of, let's say, you know, the natural resources, and so everybody's entitled to a minimum, how will you organize your life? How will you organize your day? How will, how will, be, how will you prioritize if you didn't have to worry about friends and food and all of that. If that was covered, what will, how will you use your days? And so that's a very important question because that's, I think, where all the basic income um, experiments fail because they aim for people to go and look for work instead mm -hmm. of, and be motivated to look for work mm -hmm. instead of being motivated of doing something that they actually enjoy yeah. and yeah, are yeah. like intrinsically motivated. Yeah, I love and the, so they, I love the thing, I love the thing of like the thing against UBI. People are like, but if you just give them money to live, they're not going to work. And it's like, what's the problem? Like, like what, right. what's, <laughs> the what's the issue no, that, with that? That is Does like this... that fallacy of like this self-righteous fallacy of, I won't help you because you're going to be lazy kind of thing yeah. or because be lazy. I mean, exactly it's kind of like this weird republican bullshit you yes. know uh, yes but but it's like you, you're creating beyond, like you're creating parasites uh, it's kind beyond of thing. republican though I know, but if I you know. think about oh, yeah. the, the most parasites are actually the ultra rich the the children of the ultra rich who really don't uh, do anything uh, most of the time yeah i mean the, I it's don't true to, right? i don't know how many i've known i've known like a, do, a half dozen very very wealthy child you know children of wealthy people and they like to a person this is this is stereotyping and it's like based on just my own experience but like to a person they've been some of the most unhappy people because they don't because they don't have they don't they don't know what to do they don't know like what purpose they yeah. have too much they have too much choice basically in some ways they well um, it's it, it it creates hmm. its own problems and its own dynamics but what i'm money, saying in yeah. terms of society you have when you have a society that i without doing anything at all can inherit it yeah millions and millions of dollars that somebody it happened to be my dad yeah, <laughs> made yeah. for themselves yeah that is when you have a problem because yeah. if the if the argument is well you haven't done anything to deserve it right. well <laughs> they haven't yeah right? yeah that's interesting so, right so, so that's that's uh, to me. It all comes back to the questions that we're asking yeah. again. Um, the other thing that strikes me is, and this is something Matt and I have talked about a lot. Community is like a buzzword right now in NFTs. Uh, um, so an euphemism. It's a yes, exactly, yeah. exactly. I mean, it, it gets used wrongly, you know, exactly. because community, yes. community is not a bunch of people who are buying something. That is not a community. Right. Right. Community right. is not people who come into a Discord to like, uh, you know, complain or not complain. It doesn't matter. 
community. Or, or, or just go, or just sit there and be like, when Lambo, when Moon, like, like you <laughs> yeah. know, the apes well, are going to the moon. I think I a list of our Crips and Weirdos yeah. Discord. It's like, yeah. Uh, one, one interesting one is like, where are the devs? Where are the devs? Because we're all women. Where are the devs? <laughs> yeah. Where? Or the, another the one devs? is like, Put don't the don't you talk. have advisors? <laughs> Why don't you talk to Austin Griffith? Like, dude, like we've been talking to Austin Griffith like for when I can sell year. this soccer. Yeah, no, but, 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 but what I wanted to say community is yes. what I mean. We have built in data, which to me is almost miraculous. Yes. It's people that actually have a relationship that is ongoing that that creates bonds, that uh, may find some common purpose, that creates friendships, that, and I, I know that there are, you know, like we, we have seen it in our Discord, like the people who are, who are very supportive are the kinds of people who create community because they bring like this really positive, uh, they bring information, they bring knowledge, they bring positivity, they, they make creative things, you know, like somebody, uh, artifact, went by himself, created the catalog of the Crips on Weirdos. No one asked him to do it, and he mm -hmm. went, and he spoke to the artists individually, stuff like that. That is community. And it's funny because that some people jump into a Discord because they hear that something is being solved, and they think that they are the community. And I'm like, get yes, in line, yeah. because we have been here <laughs> since 2012, and we have a community that predates you for almost 10 years, yeah. you know? So, so... Uh, I, I think I everybody, every, you know, like I, this is my own personal feeling. Marketing is horrifying and it basically co-ops everything. So it co-ops the word community, as it co-ops the word storytelling, as it co-ops the word whatever. And, and we have to be very clear about what is, and to preserve, you know, what is real community and, yeah. and what, you know, because it's not just, a, a, you know, I'm not a community with everybody who is in a supermarket, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so so I think another way of looking at that, and maybe Matt, you can relate to this, is that there's a, there's a thinking that when you launch a token, you create, you attract a community with the token, which is an extrinsic financial instrument uh, as an incentive. And so... To have a bunch of people around that token means that you have a community, but the reality is that because it is a, 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 a financial instrument, even if it's a governance token, they're all financial instruments, um, what happens is that you just get a bunch of people who want to get early, they pump the thing, they dump it, and go to the next project. There is no loyalty, there is no trust, there is no anything, and especially with this like thinking of decentralization as, as a trustless um, uh, thing. So the difference with data is that we said, actually, in order to have community, you need to build trust. Without the trust, there is no community. Without those spaces for people to know each other, to create friendships, to rely on each other, uh, there is no community. And that is what we have. We have a very strong and resilient uh, community because they're all, we're all friends, because we're being there to, for each other, because um, there is so much more than just a layer of and also, what, what are we going to get? More importantly, the reason why this community is so resilient and I think so so deep, profoundly, uh, you know, related is because they draw together. And that that is like, you know, if you're on Facebook just giving likes 
and giving hearts and giving, you know, thumbs up. That, that is the, the, like the minimal thing for you to be present. It, it really is rather a superficial thing. When people draw, they really, you know, what, they can be, draw by themselves, they can, you know, whatever, but they're spending time, energy, imagination, creativity. And when somebody responds to that, it's orders of magnitude, a different relationship that when, let me post oh, yeah. my last vacation picture so everyone can drool, you know, I mean, I, there's nothing wrong about that, but, but that's kind of, it ends so, to being soul crushing in a way. Mm-hmm, You're comparing mm-hmm. yourself, like I see everybody in, in Greece and the Greek islands, I'm like, go fuck yourselves, you know? <laughs> why, yeah. are you, why are you bragging about this? But no, in any case, but, but it's, it's an orders of magnitude, different yeah. experience. And, and I think that's what everything that we do comes, mm-hmm. comes from that. Even, even the creeps yeah. and weirdos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you think about like how much energy someone can put into, um, something, it's like, uh, liking something or or um uh what's that called I forget, there's uh aj my co-founder came up with a bunch of words for this but it's like um curation uh collection and creation um you can and these are like the different tiers of interacting with something putting energy into it and creation is an order of magnitude more important what someone creates tells you so much more about them and you know is a much more um uh, authentic uh, pointer to who they are. Um, yeah, so that's a great point. And you're right about communities being incredibly fragile if they're based around this token or whatever it is, have you? Um, and that fragility is, is I think what I noticed the most is there's no tie. There's no tie beyond the price. And so you see sentiment like literally rising and falling with price. It's just how right. it is. And that's, you, you look at that and you're like, oh, that's not a community because it isn't. And, you know, it's like, there's a difference between like, uh, you know, it's it's just about depth and resiliency and you know anti fragility and yeah. uh, token price doesn't lend it. No, lend and I actually it. think actually think art creates community and we have seen that happen mm-hmm. yeah. because when like I don't know if you know about the ape storm that we had we had this crazy thing happen where people found the creeps and weirdos oh, the marketplace yeah. was buried oh, yeah. hidden I don't know exactly how even anyone could possibly yeah. found it but yeah. find it but there's this NFT archaeologists and they yeah. found the link and they went into the store when it was closed and they bought stuff they, yeah. you know, I got a call from Bea one Sunday saying, I think we're being hacked. And we go in and, you know, people are buying from the contract directly. And so we had to create a Discord and people came rushing in. And it was really interesting to see at first, the entire conversation was all floor prices, speculation, graphs of like, what's going to go up, what's going to go down, blah, 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 trading, trading, trading. And then people started actually looking at the art and like, you know, researching what data is and finding the conversations and finding the artists. And that conversation changed to, I mean, some people started falling in love with the art and started finding out about the artists. So I do believe that art has the power to actually rise over all those other concerns, you know, and that's when real community gets created. And I see see it with the people... People, people, for instance, like the, the, the people who bought the Crips and Weirdos, 
they are relating to them in the way you relate to art. Either they, it talks to you or you feel completely uh, represented by it or you right. love it because it says something about whatever your existence or the human condition that is meaningful to you. And, and uh, that's what that, that's the part that I'm enjoying the most from from uh, putting the creeps again out into the world is to see how much people love them and they go and do a GIF or they do, do an animation or they do a music video or or they just say on Twitter how much they adore them. That to me is the greatest the greatest gift. Yeah, that's a great. I, I love that, and it feels like it ties into what you're saying about the invisible economy, where the the optimism, the hope is that you can separate these economic external uh, motivators from the intrinsic motivation, and art as a unique thing that evokes a response, a very personal response, is what breaks that that hold. And so you can have an economy, if it's invisibly supporting artists who live in a capitalist uh, society. Uh, but ideally don't have to operate within it uh, in order to mm-hmm. create their art. I think what's like what's what's especially exciting is that like you the 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 continued success of Dada and now the invisible economy like does point towards because because in a lot of ways I feel like you know it's easy to shit on these comp- these these PFP projects and their in their quote unquote communities and everything. But I, there's so much in the crypto space that I look at here in, you know, the hours late in our <laughs> capitalism journey, uh, in our, maybe our world's journey. And there's so much that is like, that is just desperately reaching out. You know, the, the phrase like, am I going to make it is to me, you know, are we going to make it? Am I going to make it? I'm never going to make it. That combined with this, like, with this, you know, this need that that people really do feel like this, they really do feel like this is their community. If it, you know, regardless of whether it's how we define it, people are hungry, right? They're hungry. Like, we don't, we don't have many sources of community anymore. And so maybe buying a PFP and joining a Discord is like the closest someone can get. Oh, no, yeah. And, and actually, it, actually, I think that some of those projects do, because of the art, like if people fall in love with the Bored Apes, well, that's the thing. and the Bored well, Ape a- makes you happy, that is wonderful. I went to the CryptoPunks, uh, there was a viewing of the auction, of yeah. the first CryptoPunks auction at Christie's. And yeah. I went, and it was amazing to me to see the people who congregated there, they yeah. were there, you know, for whatever reasons, yeah. because they yeah. love the pumps, because they want to yeah. see it rise, for whatever reasons. But the fact was that there were people coming from all over the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were cheering the thing. Uh, I mean, that is community too, you know. And uh, everybody was there, kind of united for their love for for the <laughs> crypto pumps, you know. So I don't, I, I'm not, I don't ever would like to cast aspersions on other projects because people find, as you say, their tribe. Uh, it's just like they tend to forget what what's behind all it. Or in our I, case, I, it's artists behind it. You well, know, it's I a think, community. I think like I think I think the invisible economy points away towards maybe, you know, if more people know about it and 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 can start adopting something like that. Like, you know, what if there are more PFP projects that somehow incorporate some of these ideas you know what if this and is that is that a goal of yours to see this more adopted by people in the in the space 
So, so let me, I mean, there are a few things there that uh, the way I can point out. Uh, first of all, I think it's important, I agree with Yudi, like every project, it's valuable in its own way. But I think it's important to look at this as systems. So when you look mm -hmm. at it as systems, what you really have with the, this P, uh, P what P? PFP. PFP. <laughs> PFP projects. What does it stand that... for? What does it stand Profile for? picture. Pro profile, profile picture. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> the, the PFP projects is that it really is, in in general, it's about status. Yes. And that is an extrinsic motivation. Mm -hmm. And so when you start looking at things as systems, you can start understanding what the outcome of certain paths of motivations are. So you can never really, in my view, have a true community when it's extrinsically incentivized, whether it's for money, status, or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And so that is important. And this regardless, this is not about any projects, that's a system. So when you ask, is our uh, idea to see more? In, I mean, I think we're putting all the ideas out there for anyone to create their own ways of uh, figuring out according to their own values. We do believe that the invisible economy is not for everyone, and it shouldn't be. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't mean that we're right. It's just an alternative. Mm -hmm. Because right now, for somebody like me and so many of us, there's no alternative. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's not really that much difference between the marketplace. They're all the same. They all have the same outcomes. They have differences in you know, styles or whatever, but they're, they're all exactly as a system again, producing the same thing. And so for us, it's like we will never... Uh, said like we are right and you should do it our way mm. but what we do is to point out of the what at this point i feel is either willful ignorance or plain hypo hypocrisy of saying that this ecosystem is revolutionizing anything mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. when in fact they're just replicating the same outcomes and it's so evident now that to to negate that is um i think it's quite harmful for uh so many people that are coming in the space because they think they're going to make it, right. make it. They're going to have a living when, in fact, they're going to lose a lot of money, right. whether as an investor mm -hmm. or as an artist. Yep. And so uh, this false narrative, I think it's important to poke holes in it um, so that actually something can be done. Right. And for whoever feels that can do something. But so we put a lot of our research, a lot of our insights, a lot of our just for people to take it. And signaling for people who are looking for something like the invisible economy. There are a lot of people who are looking for an alternative like this, where we're putting out the signals for them to come in, but never to convince anybody um, to do so, because that's for everyone to decide. Yesterday, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure you've heard that Oficinas TK uh, sold a, a, a next copy for a bunch of money, and he decided to give away uh, and actually, he reached out Matt, to, my to old me. Ex -copy. Matt, Matt sold that ex. That's that used to be uh, Matt's ex copy. I'm the first that person was, on the problem. Oh he was the first God. person to buy it, oh. and I, I sold it oh, way too early to Snoop Dogg. <laughs> you did sell it way too early, but listen, uh. things will things will get back to you, come back to you. But I was talking to Oficinas. Actually, reached out to me. He uh, gave, gave us a, a very generous like. 
to, you know, uh, a gift. And he also wanted to give a gift to Maria Garcia, who is one of our artists who lives in Venezuela. And, and you know, I, I was super grateful. And, and he said, you know, Dada has inspired me. I'm not saying that we're the, the reason why he the did it. Invisible but he economy. said that the invisible, invisible economy and Dada has been an inspiration. So, uh, I mean, we have people in other, other uh, you know, areas of life like that have come to our meetings, whether they're like uh, in somewhere in India and trying to do something for a, an agricultural community or like uh, somebody who works in, in uh, ethical, in medical healthcare. ethics and healthcare, you know, so... It, there, there's like the, the like-minded people are, are probably going to find it, but but I think that uh, it's just really great that to to find these instances of alternate generosity of of not of of uh, you know collaboration collaboration other other behaviors that are not. It's not generosity though. I mean, I think generosity is a, is also a, a, a problematic concept in terms of. When it comes, when you make a bunch of money, it's easy to be generous. It doesn't challenge in any way the structures that create mm, the oppression the and the inequality. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. So we have to challenge that. But I think I mean, that the great. choice Which is, it to, to do but, it but is, hold on. is wonderful. Yeah, you know? it's, mm. it, it's ethically better. I'm not talking about officinas. Mm -hmm. Again, I'm talking in terms of systems. Mm -hmm. Like... If you if you think that that is an answer, it's problematic because it comes from the same cycle of things, and you can't. It shouldn't be up to people's ethics uh, to alleviate other people's uh, problems that are created by the system. Mm, that's so, a great point. Yeah. So Often, oftentimes, the people yeah. who benefit the most from the system, you know, the people that benefit the most are the ones who often create the problems that then they have to yeah. use right. their money but you're to try creating to... the problem right. and then yeah you're creating you're participating in creating the same problem right. that now you feel really good about right. by right. Right. being generous right. yeah right. but right. I, not, I, I really wouldn't say that about officina so because i think right. it I'm comes from a completely different I'm, okay i'm not saying that yeah. about him i'm yeah. saying that about the fact yeah, that yeah. oh it's great to be generous i like that no. well, talking yeah. about but systems not talking about people is always if you think about all the super mega wealthy people who then do a foundation is like Maybe they plundered everything and now they're giving back and it's all because of taxes. You know, yeah, we, we can see through that scheme. <laughs> well, it, it, like what I'm saying is like, it's like what we should look for is, is it challenging the structures that create the same problem that you're trying to fix? Or is it, or is is it creating new, new avenues? That, that's the most important part, right. I think, to create. Actually, you can challenge and you can scream to the moon. But what is interesting is to actually... Instead of just complaining, go and create a, well, a system, that, that, right? That, mm -hmm. Well, that that is to me what is challenge. What is to, to challenge the structure is to actually create yeah. an alternative. Yeah. Um, yeah. As we, oh Matt, were you going to say something? No. So as we as we wrap up here, what what is next for you? What is what's next for for Dada? We just had the creeps and weirdos drop happened. Uh, which is very exciting um, to see it to see it come full circle. Do you like have? That. Do you guys have creeps? Mm -hmm. oh, yeah, yeah. I was able to get I, one uh, on the market. I, I didn't uh, wasn't part of the pre-sale, but I was glad to see them on the market. 
And John, you must have been like an early collector, right? You were, yeah, yeah, I was. I, I was. I was. I was in the. I was in the pre-sale area, so I was able to get some. It was really excellent. Nice. Good. Yeah, I was happy yeah. to do that. So yeah. So what's so this, so, the, so what's going on? What's what's next as we as we as we wrap up here? What's uh what's coming up down the down the pike? Okay, so I can say what is it, and then you, Judy, you can wrap up. But uh, so we are really focused on the visual economy. It's it's all encompassing. Everything that we're yeah. doing, yet yet when the ape storm happened and we had to deal with a bunch of you know 500 collectors now, uh, our idea was to actually go into the visual economy and not go to market. We didn't plan to sell the mm -hmm. crypts and weirdos. Mm -hmm. We planned it to be part of the visual economy. Mm -hmm. But because we all got that, we had to deal with uh, the market. So what we decided was to, everything that we had already tokenized or we did uh, during those years from 2017 to 2019, which are all historically important, mm -hmm. we were going to put on the market, market rules. And so we are launching a series of experiments that are different in its own uh, way to learn and to and just to keep innovating. So <clears throat> the first one was the relaunching of the 2017 Crips and Weirdos, uh, which is a decentralized marketplace, autonomous marketplace on its own. So the idea is to live like be hands hands on and let the market do its thing by itself. Um, the 2019 edition of the Crypts and Weirdos, which is a very interesting contract because it already has DAO capabilities and it's a contract from February 2019. Wow. Um, the idea is to make that into a DAO in which the community can, uh, the community, artists, collectors, apes, everyone can uh, make decisions on the developers' decision on, on its own. Again, data will step out and leave that for the community. Mm -hmm. And then we have a third experiment in the market, which is the Palm marketplace. We're, we're going to Palm, which is a side chain of Ethereum, and we are adding there. These two experiments are completely 100% free markets. But the third experiment is, is a, a sort of bridge to the invisible economy in which uh, we are adding all these layers of symbolic meaning this is where we're treating the 2017 uh crypts and weirdos as assets they are store value they are nfts like you know any but on the palm marketplace it's about the art it's about the connections it's about the relations it's a whole it's an art piece as a marketplace in which it's a timeline in which both of you are going to be represented somehow in which we have all our history of how everything happened and 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 the history of data and at the same time the history of the nfts from our point of view uh, because we have all these emails all these memorabilia all these uh, events all these pictures all of that is going to be there so that it shows all the things that are usually invisible and then after the, uh, and there we're going to have all our collections reunited there. Uh, there are about seven or eight collections. I think now. Um, mm -hmm. Okay, and then uh, then we finally are going to go into the invisible economy, which actually we are leaving the blockchain. And we are really invested in developing in Holochain, which is a lot more, uh, to me, evolved way of uh, thinking about an infrastructure. Uh, it doesn't have any of the transactionality of the blockchain. It's a lot more, um, it's, 
a lot more aligned with something that is, for me, the process of creativity. Um, but it, but it's based on nature. So it is, it, it's an amazing community. So we are actually developing the visual economy at uh, Holochain. And it's an environment in which, when we were talking before about the experience of collectors, for instance, when we talk about status and uh, extrinsic, you're going to always find people who are in because they love the art, mm -hmm. but they don't have a space for that mm -hmm. because all they have is prices go up, mm -hmm. dumping, this, that, right? So we're creating a space for that kind of collecting, which is about the art, about the connections with the artists, about the relationships, about community, about trust. Um, and in the invisible economy, there's a market. So art is not commodified. Mm -hmm. uh, we just have our own uh, economic system from the ground up. So with uh, a token? Which is with, completely different. With a token? No, 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 because actually in, in, there is no tokens in Holochain, so it's it's more an accounting of value, and so and what um, is? So can Holochain you, can is, you explain Holochain? I've never heard of that. Holochain is amazing. I mean, it and the community is incredible. Mm. So uh, Holochain, I, the way I mean, I'm not. I don't want to pretend uh, to be here like explaining, but this is how I understand it. So you have with blockchain, you have one source of truth, mm -hmm. right? And that source of truth is forced. Uh, that's a forced consensus. In our own governance system on, on the visual economy, we don't believe there is one truth. Mm -hmm. We don't force consensus. We don't vote. We just sort of align. We don't have to agree even. We just align in which at, at, at a certain moment in time, uh, we all feel that this is right. Mm. And things happen. And so Holochain is a, in a, an infrastructure that is not a blockchain. It's, it's, it's more like agent-based. So everyone has its own blockchain, let's say, its own chain, really. And you have your own chain. And the source of truth is not, of course, a unique one. It's actually my truth and your truth. And, and there's a multiplicity of truth mm. uh, because it's about what is happening between Matt and I, and the way they create the, the data integrity is not by consensus, it's by a different, it's, having a, it's a different system. So you can have different truths, which means it opens to a completely different philosophically, uh, philosophical question or arrangement of things. And so when you have that, uh, it also means, for instance, that something like data, which drawings are made on the platform. Mm -hmm. The way it works on blockchain is that uh, you post, you make the drawing on data, you post it, it goes straight to IPFS, and then we tokenize it, or mint it, right? And you create the token. But it turns out that the token, is, and it's, it's just a code, right? There's no such a thing as, a, as an actual token. Mm -hmm. uh, so when you understand that, the way Holochain does it, it's actually that because Holochain is also a storage, that is a decentralized storage. Mm. If I post a drawing made on data, that will go straight into the decentralized, my, my chain, it goes into my chain uh, as an artist. It's, it already has the data integrity. It already is an NFT, but it's without the token. So we have to figure out a new name because it's not a token. So, but it already is unique and, and probably unique uh, just from the moment. So you're removing one step and it's straight there. And what happens is that we're thinking as if you collect my piece of art, 
maybe the actual action is not that I'm you're transacting with it. It's more like now you're going to be the custodian of that because I'm going to transfer it to your chain. Mm -hmm. And now mm -hmm. you're going to have it in your mm -hmm. chain. Mm -hmm. But I don't have to sell it to you because it's a, it's a way of a way of accounting for value mm -hmm. that is peer-to-peer, -peer, truly peer-to-peer. -peer. And so it's really interesting. I hope that I you know, made a uh, Sounds fascinating. A good, yeah, I yeah, know. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. yeah. So it sounds like everyone really, really recommend. runs their own agent, maybe like a personal server type thing. And mm -hmm. um, there's no unified source of truth, but you can share information between computers, of course. And there is and... a piece of hardware, right, Bea? Like it, it uses for some, some people, there is oh, some Oh, is there a dedicated hardware. server or a dedicated? No, the, the hollow, which is like, like you can have your notes and all oh, see, of that. that. But that's like an extra thing mm. because the, the main point is that it's a storage mm. and, and the data mm -hmm. integrity is embedded within the storage, mm -hmm. right? And within your own chain as an agent, as a person. Interesting. Okay. Um, yeah, it sounds like Urbit yeah. a little bit. I'll have to look into this. Neat. And yeah, that, it sounds like that would lend itself to alternative forms of like, uh, you know, the, measuring this value or not measuring it. Um, and like representing, representing accounting, accounting for, for that it, yeah, yeah, and avoiding the yeah. sort of transactional economic, the, the inherently economic nature of a blockchain. Yes. Um, yeah. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. Transactional, transactional nature of the blockchain. Yeah. yeah. That's so awesome. Well, I will look forward to that. I'm so excited to own uh, some of the 2017 groups and weirdos now. I went and grabbed all of the ones that I recognized from the past. Yes, yes. Um, that, that's how I chose too. I was like, oh, yeah. I remember that one. Oh, I remember like, oh, that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Done. Yeah. Yeah. And so now I have my collection and I feel very good oh, about wonderful. it. Oh, um, wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah, super cool. I, well, they're going to be, have... uh, I don't know if you're coming, but there's this Dreamverse uh, ex uh, event uh, happening yeah, in New York. This? It's organized by Metaverse, and mm -hmm. they're doing this enormous like festival of NFTs. What I wow. like about it is really uh, it's based, it's really art focused. So it's not going to be panels of people yapping. It, it's going to be right. it's going to be actually they they uh, they actually had ten different curators or artists. I, I was included um, in the ten curators, and each ten each one of the ten curators had to had to propose ten artists. And so those artists are going to be exhibited and there's also going to be uh, there's like the gallery part in the morning and then there's like a huge party at night. But it's all uh, art and tech, uh, you know, central. It's all NFT based, yeah. NFT focused. And we are going to be there because uh, uh, I don't know if you heard, but Metaverse also purchased an entire set of the creeps mm -hmm. for 500 ETH and mm -hmm. the creeps are going to be part of the of the musical part of the event and and oh, so uh yeah 500 uh, ETH headline news 500 right 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 <laughs> I, it's just i but it's probably not happy with the with that no. but i think it's it's, but it's an effective tool it's an effective to, tool you know i think it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a hold on it's, it, it is a market experiment yeah so that yeah. No, and to Fair. me, quite frankly, for me, uh, the fact that people love them and they're purchasing mm -hmm. them is uh, is one of the many validations that I feel when I see them. That, you know, they're like my children. I love them all. But to mm -hmm. see people collecting them and enjoying them and yeah. to see people, you know, what like the Metaverse guys, you know, they're based in India and they, they uh, among their mission is really to open up this NFT world to to regions of the world, to artists that live in regions that are not as privileged as 
as where we are. And, and I think uh, uh, their heart is in, in the right place in that sense. So, so to me, it's, it's, it's a wonderful validation. Yeah. Um, you know? Well, I'm excited to go and be at the intersection of art and tech and NFTs. That sounds, uh, <laughs> it actually does sound like an amazing event. I'll try yeah. and snag an invite somehow. Um, I just want to say it's been such a pleasure, um, hanging out with you guys again after all these years and oh, hear, yeah. hearing you guys argue with each other a little bit, like an, like a married couple is just, uh, oh, yeah. absolutely delightful. That's the as, dynamic as yeah. ever, as ever. Some things never yeah. change. It's beautiful. Yeah. Um, and I am going to try my damnedest to get down there for, for NFT NYC. So I'll definitely see you, Judy. And if you're around, Bea, oh, we'd love to. It was beautiful, yeah, to see you both. Yeah. Thank you so much. It was nice nice to reconnect. Um, let's see. So you guys, so is your Twitter still at Dada NYC? What is the uh, Twitter? The Twitter is Power Dada. Power, Power Dada. Dada, that's right. Power yeah. Dada. Yeah. It's in the song. Power yeah. Dada. <laughs> yeah. It's in the song. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Power Dada. You can follow these folks. You can follow Matt at one of the many Matts on Twitter. You can follow me at Songaday Man. And that's been another episode. Thank you so much for joining us. Matt, you want to say the thing? I will do the thing. All right. Get nifty, everybody. Get nifty. Get nifty. <laughs> that's the thing. That's wonderful. That's the thing. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da